Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. We know NAFTA negotiations are continuing. There's another story out today that says they're close to a deal. Uh, yeah, stop me if you've heard this before. But one of the concerns, obviously, that uh, that uh, we have here in this area, of course, is the steel industry uh, because of the tariffs that Donald Trump put on the steel industry and uh, whether or not these things are going to be lifted and the impact that the NAFTA deal might have on the industry. Well, uh, amazingly, apparently surging steel prices are kind of protecting them. When the tariffs went on there, there was a concern that uh, there might even be layoffs around here because of that. That doesn't seem to be happening. Joining us to talk about this is Ian Lee from the Spot School of Business at Carleton University. Good morning, Ian. How are you doing today? I'm doing just fine, Bill. We were talking about doom and gloom and layoffs and, and canceled orders and all sorts of stuff. Why isn't that happening? You're right, and by the way, I won't hide the fact I was I was suggesting that that was going to be an outcome. I think everybody uh, was. Uh, everybody was. In fact, the, the the CEOs of the steel companies testified before the House of Commons. I read the transcript, and they were predicting much greater doom and gloom. And and to be fair to all of those people that were, there is a reason for that because whenever you impose a tariff, and any country imposes a tariff, it raises the cost of the product. So there's nothing wrong with the logic of that criticism that tariffs are bad. I maintain that tariffs, I mean, 300 years in economics, <laughs> theory and practice has taught us that tariffs are bad. They reduce, they increase the cost of business, and all other things being equal, they reduce the demand for the product. So what happened in this instance was that the prices were going up independent of the tariffs for a whole bunch of reasons and I'm talking worldwide, the Chinese have been cutting back production of some of their uh, plants. Could be because of uh, criticism by uh, Europe and the United States that they are dumping uh, because they're overproducing. Could have been that. Could have been they were just very old plants. Uh, and, of course, uh, economic activity the, uh, is just booming in the United States. Steel is a critical component in construction, not, of course, of houses, for you and I, but any high-rise building uses enormous amounts of steel, and of course the automobile industry and so forth. So this is this uh, increase in the prices was mitigating or offsetting the the tariffs. How so? Because if your revenues go up unexpectedly by 25 percent or 30 percent because the price has gone up, and the tariffs uh, uh, eat into that by two percent five percent seven percent you're still ahead of the game and now that's dependent for the producers the steel producers that the price of steel went up more than the tariffs went up because they're paying the tariffs basically they're absorbing it and so what they they were very fortunate that the that the prices did go up that the market prices did go up and uh, so that allowed the producers to absorb that uh, the, the, those tariffs. I still think that tariffs are a bad idea. I, I, it's a tax. You know, we call it a tariff, and it seems to be so innocent and benign. It's just a plain old-fashioned tax, and it's an unnecessary tax, and it's a tax that hurts the economic productivity and efficiency. That's why, for the last 70 years since the Depression, actually, since the end of the Second World War, the WTO and countries around the world have been phasing out tariffs. This is a long-term trend over 70 years. This isn't just one professor from one university saying this. All you have to do, anybody has to do, is go to the WTO. And what have they been doing for 70 years? Reducing tariffs. What do trade agreements do? Reduce tariffs. What's NAFTA do? Reduce tariffs. 
what does the European Trade Agreement do? Reduce tariffs. So everybody thinks they're a bad idea. And so, well, not everybody. Well, there's, a, there's everybody. an interesting passage in Bob Woodward's book called Fear about the Donald Trump administration, yeah. Yeah. where and I'm sure you know it, in that, where the uh, staffers, uh, including uh, Mr. Cohn and a couple of others, are yeah. trying to convince the president that don't do tariffs. They're bad. They're bad for our economy and every yeah. other economy. And they, according to the the book, Trump just threw his hands up and says, "I don't want to hear that," and, and walked out of the room. Yeah. So he yeah. he apparently still thinks they're okay. Yeah. And doesn't I, want to I, hear anything to the don't let the don't let the, his opinion get you know hear the facts get in the way of his opinion. Exactly. I cannot disagree with him more. Uh, and I mean, this is again, it's it's three hundred years of theory, Nobel prizes no less, and practice. I mean, we've seen it. I mean, where uh, we've had tariff wars in the past, the famous the Depression of the 30s, when they had these beggar-thy-neighbor tariffs. You know, one country would ratchet up the tariffs, mm-hmm. and the other country would retaliate, and so forth. And I'm not saying it caused the Depression. Most economists don't believe it caused it, but most economists believe that it made the Depression much worse than it would have been otherwise without those sky-high tariffs. So they're not, they're not, he's wrong. He's just plain wrong. The, the tariffs are not good. He is protected right now, uh, his his wrong view is, if you will, protected by the fact that the economy is doing so well in the states for other reasons. They're not doing well because of the tariffs. They're doing well. The economy is doing well in spite of the tariffs. The low tax cut helped enormously. You know, he's got a very pro-growth agenda. He's been deregulating like crazy, getting rid of an awful lot of uh, of the Obama regulations. And I'm not going to get into a debate of Obama versus Trump, but. A lot of those regulations that that Obama put in uh, were widely believed, at least by economists and business people, to have slowed down the economy, to slow down productivity. And so right now it's sort of open season for business to go out and make money. And uh, so the economy's booming. What a surprise. And uh, so the, that's driving up the demand for steel. That's driving up the price of steel. And uh, as a consequence, it's enabling the steel producers to take the hit. And it is a hit. It's a negative hit of the tariff uh, uh, that they've been that has been imposed on them. How long is this going to last, though? I mean, you'd like to think that this is going to carry on for a while, or there's going to be a deal, and that's going to end the tariffs. Yeah. We don't know yet. But yeah. is this is is it a blip that we're experiencing right now? Uh, I don't think so, and I'll explain why. And I don't want to get into all the other tariffs and all the other because people, you know, I think people are sort of conflating it. They're all the same thing, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, so forth. The steel market, and I, I uh, actually testified last fall before the House of Commons Committee on International Trade, and I went and read a ton on it because it's really interesting. And there is absolutely no question that China has been dumping. China has been cheating. And it's not Ian Lee saying that. That was the ruling of the European body, government body. Uh, this is a, no, a technocratic body of economists and statisticians and so forth. And they evaluated all the data for going back five years, massive amounts of statistical data and, and, and per export data and prices and so forth. And they came to a legal determination. It was a legal ruling, as did the U.S. administration's uh, uh, equivalent body. They concluded that China was dumping. China is producing about 50% of the world's steel. And so, I mean, it's just enormous. They went from being a very small producer only 10 years ago or so to 50%. And, and there is no doubt, as I said, that they're dumping. So the problem that they're trying, both the Europeans and the Americans and the Canadians, are trying to address is how do they respond to the dumping of steel by China? And this is separate and apart from the other markets and the other industries. 
And uh, so there's been, uh, I mean, I think the Europeans, although they're not as loud about it, they're even more angry than Donald Trump is about the dumping of steel by the Chinese. I suspect, but I do not know, nobody, you know, the Chinese government's opaque, nobody's inside there with the real story, but I suspect they're closing some of their older, least productive plants in China in response to the criticism, the sustained massive criticism by the Europeans and the Americans. And so the Chinese are responding somewhat. Uh, I, from what I understand, they're still dumping. They're, at least they're selling well below the cost of American and, and European steel. But they've cut back their exports by closing some of these plants. So that's progress. Uh, the, but there's a, there, up until this year, there was a, an oversupply of steel in the market, principally caused, as I said, by China. As markets come back into balance, supply and demand comes back into balance, partly because the economy is growing so so strongly, this may cause, and now I'm trying to answer your question in a long roundabout way, this will cause, uh, reduce the pressures for the tariffs to continue. Because if the supply and demand comes into balance, prices going up, the, the heat won't be on so much to address the problem from China. And China, as I said, is taking some steps to address their problem themselves. A couple of things about NAFTA, because you can't talk about steel without getting into this exactly. in some way. Uh, yes. and, and, and we're concerned, obviously, about the tariffs and, and whether or not yes. they're going to be lifted upon the deal. And, and when you, as you and I talked about a few days ago, there's no guarantee that that's in there. Uh, I know Doug Ford was down in Washington, uh, yes. obviously making the case, and he met with Ms. Freeland and some of the U.S. folks, as a matter of fact. Uh, so that's that's there. It's on the table. So we're not how that's going to work out. But there's a rumor coming out today that one of the, the things that may come out of this NAFTA deal is the U.S. may say, okay, fine, we'll drop the tariffs, but we're going to put quotas on how much you can put into the U.S. market here, which is, I think, going to be somewhat problematic, isn't it? Of course it is. Of course it is. And again, that has been studied. Quotas and tariffs are usually studied by economists uh, in the same study. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're sort of brothers and sisters or identical twins or whatever metaphor you want to use, because governments historically, um, and I'm talking in the last 100 years when I say historically, and I'm talking mostly Western governments and some of the emerging economies like China, um, you know, they either use tariffs or uh, quotas um, as, as two techniques to try to control what's coming in. One's as bad as the other, uh, because a quota limits the amount of it limits competition and you know i i probably was somebody like jerry diaz would disagree with me but i mean i've got 300 years on my side we know that enhanced competition produces enhanced prosperity because the enhanced competition makes every company sharper more aggressive meaning they get they 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 curb inefficiencies they take inefficiencies out of their value chain the reason we have the highest standard of living in the world and i'm talking the u.s canada and western europe is because we have the most competitive markets that is to say they're not gimmicked by governments and when they start putting tariffs in and quotas what you're doing is undermining the efficiency of the market and i mean developing countries have been doing this forever i mean that i argue is one of the reasons why they're so poor or less successful is precisely because they won't allow the markets to perform and uh, quotas as i said is a bad thing uh, because it's saying that uh, we will not uh, you know we have quotas basically with supply management we won't allow the we'll allow very small amounts to come in from foreigners and that's it and so because we don't want competition yet it's competition that uh, motivates innovation companies innovate to try to get a competitive edge 
on another company. That's why you innovate and try and produce a better iPhone, a better mousetrap. But if there's if you can't get into the market, uh, or nobody can come in from outside, why are you going to bother going and hustling and innovating if there's nobody to uh, compete against? Or, you know, in other words, if you're limiting the competition coming in. You don't win the Stanley Cup by playing against all the lousy teams in the Junior B Hockey League. You win by playing against other superior teams and upping your game and becoming more competitive. And so anytime we try to diminish the competition through quotas and tariffs, all we're doing is hurting ourselves in the in the medium and longer term. Well, isn't there a certain hypocrisy to this, though? I mean, they're berating us right now for our system of, of protectionism, which is yeah. supply management, yet now we're hearing that they're going to do the exact same thing for their steel industry. Uh, I, I, absolutely. I mean, that's why I'm so opposed. Um, I, and I know, and I'm not I'm changing the subject at all, because one other instrument that governments use are subsidies. And I get emails all the time from farmers saying, how come, you know, you're so opposed to quotas and tariffs, but you're okay with subsidies? Well, I'm not okay with subsidies. I think they're bad. But there is a consensus in economic research, again, for a very long period of time, that of the two, quotas and and tariffs are much worse than subsidies because they interfere with the market itself and the market price. With subsidies, because it's more indirect, they're not ideal. The ideal world, you'd have no subsidies, no quotas, no tariffs. That's the ideal competitive market world. But if you have to be bad, <laughs> it's better to be bad in a less bad way than in a, in a worse bad way, if I can use these, this sort of strange language. In other words, subsidies are bad, but they're nowhere near as bad as quotas or price fixing uh, or, or, or tariffs. So it's that's why I, you know, have argued that let's open up supply management, open up the dairy, and if we need to subsidize the dairy farmers, that's that's okay with me. I mean, the Americans subsidize their farmers. My goodness me, we subsidize all kinds of businesses in this sure. country, you know, and we've been doing it for a very long time. But but the evidence is absolutely crystal clear: subsidies are not as um, uh, they don't mess up the marketplace as much. They're they're a cost to the taxpayer for sure but they don't interfere with supply and demand to the same way that price fixing does and quotas do and tariffs do, which is a way to manipulate the prices. We don't want to muck about with the price system of supply and demand. So if we're going to intervene, if governments are going to intervene, well, then they should intervene by subsidies because it's a less bad way of intervention. i got less than a minute left, but i got to ask you this because there's another story out of Washington this morning as well that uh, the American side of the negotiations is backing away from the America First Purchase Policy. Is that a good sign? I think it is a good sign. Uh, I mean, that's, again, that's a backdoor form of protectionism. All of these techniques we're discussing, you know, whether it's quotas <laughs> or tariffs or buy American, they're, they're, it's a form of protectionism to limit competition. And so, I mean, it, 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 the, the Buy American policy was just a very bad policy. You know, and I'm not living in the ivory tower. You know, if you want to, people to buy American, I've got a good answer for you, a good strategy, which is what I teach. Build a better product. I mean, people are buying iPhones at an outrageous price. I refuse to buy a $1,000 iPhone, but my daughter <laughs> doesn't, and lots of young people want it. They've made this phone that everybody wants to buy. Build a better mousetrap. You don't need Buy American policies from the government if you are a good competitive company that makes good competitive products. Ian Lee from the Sprott School of Business. Always a pleasure, Ian. Thanks so much.
Thanks a lot, Bill. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.